0: Welcome in to another edition of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. I am your host, TJ McBride of milehighsports.com. That is where you can find all of the work that I do individually as well as the rest of our staff, Brandon Ewing, Jenna Garcia, and DeFallier Johnson. Type Mile High Sports into your browser, click the Nuggets icon in the top right corner when the page opens, and there you will find the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast in addition to all of the written content that we produce. So definitely make sure to go check that out, give some reads to everything that's being posted over there. There's always some good content on the site. Um, I'm going to dive into just another off-season podcast where basically what I'm going to do this time is I'm going to jump around to five different questions that I feel like are very pertinent to the Nuggets success going into next season. There's still some things that the Nuggets need to figure out. There's some things that held them back last year, and I kind of want to get into all of them. So let me just quickly lay out the five questions I have before diving into it. The first one will be, will Denver finally be healthy? Because as everyone knows, the Nuggets have had more core injuries in actual time where the entire roster has been and healthy so we'll talk about just the overall health factor of the Nuggets I want to talk about if the Nuggets can finally shoot at the level that they are capable of from the three point line um, it just seems like over and over again the Nuggets consistently do not make the amount of three point shots that they have the talent to do so with so we'll talk about three point shooting we'll ta- I want to talk about if Nikola Jokic can really win most valuable player next year in the NBA I think there's a lot of reasons why he can there's, a, and there's definitely some reasons why he may not um and then the fourth question I want to I want to attempt to answer is will Michael Porter Jr. actually help this Denver Nuggets team? I'll talk about the skills that will translate immediately, the skills that are still uncertain, and just really what we can expect from Michael Porter Jr. The last question that I will try and answer, which I think is also very pertinent, is will Denver make a big trade leading up to the trade deadline? There's a lot of there's oh, I picked four players that I think the Nuggets could go after that would be a big step forward for them. I'll talk about which trading which Assets are more tradable for them, which contracts are more tradable, which young talent may be desirable in the open market in terms of just a trade sweetener and all kinds of things like that. And then after I answer the questions that I think are extremely important, I will answer four questions from listeners as well. So it's going to be a stocked full show. There's going to be a lot that we talk about again in this show. Um, I know that they've been kind of long recently, and I have a feeling this one will be the exact same. Still kind of long, but actually still have a lot of just interesting information that allows me to hop around every little facet of the Nuggets, as opposed to just focusing on one individual topic um before we go any further though i gotta pay some bills first of all go check out regulators regime on instagram they are the regulators production group and they are the ones who built the beats for the intro and outro of this podcast the podcast sounds so much better having some real heavy new york beats on the intro and outro i absolutely love having some comeback music to come in with and it's all from them. They make all of it themselves. So make sure you go reach out to. Um, at regulators regime on Instagram. For any of your audio production needs. Additionally this podcast is powered by Mile High Sports. It is the home of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. So make sure you go check out Mile High Sports for all Broncos, Avalanche, Rockies, Nuggets. I mean, we do Outlaws coverage. There is every sport that happens in Colorado is covered on Mile High Sports. And lastly, Terrapin Care Station, who is the benefactor of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. There wouldn't be a Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast without them. So make sure for any of your cannabis goods, you go find a Terrapin Care Station somewhere in the Denver metro area. And here is a quick word from Terrapin Care Station. dive in from the very top and start answering the very first question, which is will the Denver Nuggets finally just be somewhat healthy, just relatively league average healthy for once? It feels like it has been since Danilo Gallinari went down with his torn ACL, with his botched surgery or whatever kind of rehabilitation they tried to do. The Nuggets have just had awful luck when it comes to injuries. The first thing that the Nuggets need to avoid is just any more damn core injuries. The Nuggets now have four players in the last two years who have need to have a surgically repaired core muscle injury that is Wancho Hernan Gomez who had it this year Mason Plumlee who had it last year Jamal Murray who had it last year and then Will Barton who had it this year as well it is absurd that the Nuggets continually keep having these types of injuries um, really interesting little note though there's someone on Twitter named in street closes the at his name's Jeff just an absolutely brilliant individual when it comes to player injuries and he and basically he tracks all kinds of databases and What we were talking about when I was out in Las Vegas is if the fact that the Nuggets have all these core muscle injuries relates more to the Nuggets' inability to recognize potential injuries before they happen, or if this is just the league at large. And from talking to him, what I kind of gathered from this is... The way the league has changed, it's no longer just drop the ball in the post if you get double kick out, if not go score on the guy. This has now become a heavy ball movement positionalist horizontal type league where you're trying to get side to side to contest shots and contain on the perimeter. What that means is you're using more of core activation type movements to actually be able to switch on the perimeter and be a more switch heavy team. To get around screens and get out to three point shooters, to actually close out from down low to the perimeter to try and contest those three point jump shots the way the game has transitioned has become a much more horizontal game as opposed to a vertical game and in his opinion of us just kind of shooting the shit randomly in Las Vegas was it's probably more of a league-wide issue. There have just been a lot more core muscle injuries around the league as a whole because of the way the game has changed. So hopefully the Nuggets can find a way to mitigate that issue because they do not need a fifth player to go down for a surgical procedure in Philadelphia as they always do to repair these core muscle surgeries. Um, in addition to this, those you know the, in that, in that individual injury, there are in, you know there are players that need to find a way to be more healthy for the Nuggets to be the best that they can be. And in my opinion, that conversation starts with Gary Harris. He is the most important player that has yet to be fully healthy with the Nuggets in a couple years. So Gary Harris this past year alone had four lower body injuries. He had a right hip injury, a left ankle injury, a groin slash adductor injury, and a hamstring injury, which hobbled him in the preseason and the regular season. That's a lot of lower body injuries, and while there may be a bit of randomness to it, it is strange that Gary Harris, who has visibly added quite a bit of muscle to his body... Just continually keeps finding a way to have these lower body injuries. This is the same guy who missed like a month with left foot injury, and the Nuggets wouldn't really give us a whole lot of specificity as to what the injury is. Gary Harris has been plagued with lower body injuries, and if he has one more year like he did last year, where he has four different lower body injuries and misses 30 plus games, he is going to eventually get that injury prone tag thrown onto his name, and he desperately needs to find a way to avoid that, in my opinion. And if the Nuggets are going to be the best version of themselves, they will need Gary Harris to be fully healthy. We all saw in the playoffs, as people who witnessed the Nuggets in the postseason, that uh, the offense eventually just kind of collapsed into Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic running a two-man game together over and over and over and over again. The big reason, in my opinion, that that happened was, first of all, Will Barton was extremely shaky coming back from from his injury and was not the same player he was before it, and Gary Harris had no rhythm. So because of those two things, the Nuggets elected to just run this two-man game, which was virtually unstoppable between Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray just over and over and over and over again. And while it was extremely difficult, difficult to stop that action for opposing teams. The Nuggets lost a lot of their offensive versatility doing that. While Gary Harris, or while Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic running the two-man game was great, imagine if you could run a dribble handoff where Nikola Jokic fakes the pass to Jamal Murray. Two players collapse onto Jamal Murray as Gary Harris you know, circles back up around the perimeter and runs another dribble handoff with Jokic and then takes his players with them. Then all of a sudden you have to decide, are you going to defend Jamal Murray or Gary Harris down low? Are you going to leave Nikola Jokic open at the elbow when you have multiple players who can run that dribble handoff with Nikola Jokic, it makes your offense so much more versatile, so much more just dominant. And without having Gary Harris and Will Barton to be the second and third options, it just kind of made the Nuggets more predictable offensively than they would have liked to be. been. So Gary Harris getting healthy, getting a rhythm, not having to be in and out of the lineup because of multiple different injuries, it would make the Nuggets offense significantly more lethal. And that's without the fact that we haven't even talked about the fact that Gary Harris is the second best defender on the team behind Paul Millsap, if not the best defender on this team. Jeremy Grant obviously being included in that that rank now is right there in the top two as well. So, you know, you can really kind of pick whoever you want, but... Gary Harris is so important defensively to this team. The Nuggets, if they're able to close with Jeremy Grant at the three, you have a guy in Gary Harris, Jeremy Grant, and Paul Millsap where you can switch two through four. You have guys who can contain on the perimeter, bang down low in the post. You have so much defensive versatility at that point as well. So the fact that they didn't have Gary Harris healthy for most of the year, it just really, really limited Denver's ability to be the best they can be on both ends of the floor. So getting him healthy is priority number one in terms of hoping guys come back 100% sent ready to go. The Nuggets' health goes beyond just Gary Harris, too. Like, yes, Gary Harris had his issues. Yes, there were a lot of core injuries in which Jamal Murray was a part of. But Jamal Murray last year, despite the fact that he played, like, 75 games or whatever it was, which is low for him but is good overall in the grand scheme of the the NBA, he still played banged up almost the entire season. He almost missed preseason games after rolling one of his ankles. And from that point forward, Jamal Murray rolled one of – he rolled both  – of his ankles multiple times he even missed those seven games because of a rolled ankle and an ankle sprain they never actually specified it that i can remember so while yes jamal murray played plenty of minutes and plenty of games he was hurt for most of the time in the playoffs he was playing through a quad injury a forearm injury a shoulder injury an ankle injury and honestly i would not be surprised if there were more issues that were not disclosed there's something about the way that jamal murray plays that leads to him kind of ending up in the reckless moments that can lead to injuries which you don't want to take away from him but he has to find a way to balance the two the Nuggets need the best version of Jamal Murray for them to be the best version of themselves we again like I said earlier talking about Gary Harris the Nuggets two-man game with Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray was virtually unstoppable despite the fact that Gary or that Jamal Murray was this banged up for most of the postseason but imagine if he could just stay relatively healthy imagine if instead of being 65 or 75 percent healthy He was 80% healthy, 85%. You talk about a guy who could take a big leap forward in terms of his consistent production with the Nuggets... It's hard because I'll talk about Jamal Murray a little bit later in this show and his lack of consistency, but I think a big reason potentially for that lack of consistency is that he has not really been fully healthy for any point of his NBA career. If you remember, he came into the NBA from Kentucky with that core muscle injury. He then had his surgery in the offseason after playing through it for an entire year and then was banged up for most of his second year and then he was banged up for most of his third year. Getting a fully healthy Healthy Jamal Murray could be huge for the Nuggets, but that might be kind of hard just because... Jamal Murray is on Team Canada's 29-man roster going into training camp, so he might be playing in the World Cup this year, which will not help his ability to stay healthy. He absolutely deserves the option to play for his native Canadian team. There is no denying that, but there is a causality that it will make it harder for him to stay healthy because he'll have more minutes and more games on his body. So I do think that's a big deal, and... Moving on from Jamal Murray, who again was consistently injured for most of his time throughout the NBA, the Nuggets have not been able to put their starting five together at really any point. All of last year, I believe it was a full month, maybe month and a half, in which the Nuggets were missing three of their starters. Paul Millsap had broken his big toe, was out for about a month. Gary Harris had his adductor injury, was out for about a month. And Will Barton was out for three months with his core muscle injury. So we haven't ever seen this Nuggets starting group of Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Will Barton, Paul Millsap, and Nikola Jokic healthy and functioning together at a high level. It just hasn't happened because it's always been some injury that has not allowed them to be able to be the best version of themselves. If I remember correctly, the Nuggets overall last year were the second or third most injured team in the league. If the Nuggets can just, again, get to that league average 15th point and be able to have Jamal Murray not playing banged up and have a rhythm Gary Harris, and have Paul Millsap not have these random injuries after being one of the league's Ironmen for most of his career, and getting Will Barton back healthy, those things would be, like they, they could dramatically change the way that we are viewing this Denver Nuggets team, because right now, what we saw last year, them getting 54 wins and being one game away from the Western Conference Finals, that is literally in spite of all of these injury concerns that they had throughout the year, so... I don't know what they'll look like fully healthy. I don't think anyone has a really good idea, but it'd be pretty incredible to see how dominant they could be if they actually had their full cast of talent able to play on a basketball court. So we'll just have to wait and see. I don't think that this is necessarily a Nuggets training staff is doing things wrong. I can't say that that's for sure, but that's what I'm trying to take out of this is that this just kind of seems like randomness right now. And if that randomness can go away, the Nuggets, Nuggets could take a big step forward. If it doesn't, there's going to be more and more questions surrounding the Nuggets as they move into next season. Okay, that's enough for the first question because it's already 15 minutes into this podcast and I have all only answered one of the five questions I want to get to, so we're going to move on now to my next question, my second question, which is, will Denver finally shoot at the level in which they are capable from three-point range? Last year, Malik Beasley led the Nuggets in three-pointers made over Jamal Murray despite the complete separation in terms of how many minutes that each player gets. Then it was Jamal Murray who came in second, and then it was Monte Morris being third. The Nuggets simply Need to get more three point production from their starting unit, full stop. It has to happen because the Nuggets cannot rely on their bench to carry the weight of putting together their three point shooting prowess. They need more than that, and that stops fully with Jamal Murray, in my opinion. Jamal Murray has been a fine shooter. Since he came into the league, he's hit 432 of his 1,194 three since entering the league. That's 36.2%. He's never shot better than 37.8% from three from watching him in a gym so many times now of him just shooting threes there is no reason in my opinion that he should be shooting that low or uh, you know a 36% clip over his career over 1,200 threes he is just a better shooter than that and I think a big part of it has been the injuries as I talked about earlier he just has not had good luck with injuries playing through two sports and he has been banged up his second year and all of the injuries he fought through last year it's tough to ask him to be that but that is what he came into this league as is a sniper 3 point shooter for him to never shoot better than 37.8% from the field in 3 years is surprising to me Um, he's just a better shooter than he has shown it's his consistency that is also killing him right now uh, one of the big things that could help his consistency is not starting so damn cold. If you go back to his rookie year, in his first four games, he missed 16 straight shots, did not make a bucket, was 0 of 6 from the from 3 and 0 of 16 from the field. Uh, jump ahead to the next year, 2017-18, he started 2 of 21 from 3 in his first five games, which is 9.5%, and was 17 of 59 from the field for 28.8%. When you look ahead to last year, how he started it, it was a little better, but was just 11 of 40 from three in his first nine games, 27.5%, and was 52 of 122 from the field in his first nine games for 42.5%. Jamal is just a better scorer than that. There is just It's so hard for me to understand why he starts so slow. Think of it this way. And so taking those numbers from those three first three years, that means to start his first three seasons, he has shot 90 of 281 from three. That's just 32%. He needs to have a good start to the season, in my opinion, because those numbers are really anchoring his numbers down. And again, he is just a better shooter. The other thing is that he's just kind of streaky. When you look at last season, in October, and November, which I compine just to make this easier, he was 34 of 109 from three, shot 30 just just over 31%, shot just under 36% in December, and then that number jumped all the way to 45% in January and was 41% in February before falling all all the way to 34% in March. Then when you look at April in the playoffs, he shot just under 35%. It's just too streaky. He needs to be able to consistently step up and hit shots when the Nuggets need him to. They need more floor spacing from their starting unit that is consistent because they didn't get it last year. The Nuggets were literally having their shooters completely sagged off of in the players and it was hurting their ability to get into the paint because they just kept missing open threes. It was absolutely bizarre considering how talented of shooter they have around him, and it's not just Jamal Murray, he may be the biggest culprit in my opinion, but Gary Harris shot 42% in 2016-17, he shot just under 40% in 17-18, that number fell to 34%, you're talking a 5% drop from last year, or from 2 years ago to what he was last year, Gary Harris has been a lights out shooter for most of the time he's been in the league, but... For him to shoot 34% was just rough for them last year. Obviously, injuries are the big reason why he had no lift in his legs. That's why his finishing at the rim also suffered. And when he finally did get back from being injured after the All-Star break last year, he was just the 4th or 5th option on offense. So there was no real rhythm to him to his game, and he was delegated to just being you know, a guy in the corner to space the floor and a defender in the playoffs. He just wasn't really involved in the offense. Um, Harris has to bounce back for the, as, as a 3-point shooter and just as an offensive player for the Nuggets, as I've talked about already. He needs to stay healthy. He needs to make a point to get involved in the offense and get back to being that perfect off-ball threat he was with Nikola. He tried to expand his game when he was Healthy this year to play off the ball or to play on the ball a little bit more, but even then, I I think that he needs to get back to who he was. I think he can slowly integrate that part into his game, but trying to make it a focal point of playing with the ball in his hands more is not something that Gary Harris is going to allow him to get into a rhythm again. Sacrificing is just part of playing in this Nuggets offense. And going back to the guy he was in 2016-17 and 17-18, that would be the best thing for the Nuggets and, in my opinion, the best thing for Gary Harris. Let him get back into rhythm because right now there's no reason to have him come in and act like a point guard or try and, you know push his game beyond what it currently is which will make it so much more difficult for him to be the best version of himself right now. And it's not just Gary Harris either. Nikola Jokic, despite the fact that the three-point shot should not be the most important part of his game, needs to be a better three-point, uh, a three-point shooter as well. He at least needs to be more of a threat, in my opinion. Um, he had a big fallback this year as well. He shot almost 40% in, 2018, or in 2017-18, but in 18-19, he shot just barely over 30 percent so you're talking about a nine percent drop off in three point percentage and again it doesn't look like he never found a rhythm from beyond the arc and in addition to that I want to kind of I want to paint a different picture for Nikola Jokic because again he was without three starters he had to do what he had to do for the Nuggets to get their win so he was just in the post eating dudes alive near the rim and making passes to open players so there wasn't a reason for him to stretch his game out necessarily but Again, the Nuggets need more three-point production from their starting unit, and I think Nikola Jokic is a much better shooter than he showed last year. So, if the Nuggets can can, can get the same level, or at least a near-similar level of shooting from Malik Beasley and Monte Morris, Jeremy Grant does what he did last year in Oklahoma City, and then you get Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, and Nikola Jokic just shooting what they should be shooting from three, the Nuggets are going to, again, be an even more terrifying offense, and I do think that that could absolutely happen. We'll have just wait and see um, but if they are able to shoot like that man that team is going to be even scarier than they ever could have been this past year think about the playoffs how many open jumpers they missed now imagine if just a third of those wide open ones that they missed fell which is about what they should be hitting if that happens the Nuggets are in the Western Conference Finals they beat the Spurs in five games and suddenly this is a very different conversation so I'm curious that really is a big question of mine can the Nuggets shoot at the percentage that they they are capable of shooting at as a team and that starts with the starting group all right let's get into this next question because it's one that continually keeps coming up from fans of the nuggets and I just feel like it's an important one to discuss because it changes the outlook of the upside for this Denver Nuggets team and the question is can Nikola Jokic really win MVP My quick take is lots of signs say absolutely he can. First of all, he was fourth last year in MVP voting despite the fact that he was better than Paul George in my opinion overall when you take into account that Paul George was hurt for so much or for so long at the end of the season Um, I also you know the fact that he did this without three starters the fact that the team now going into 2019-20 is more catered for him than it was before last year he has all the continuity he could hope for when the rest of the league does not Nicola Jokic knows that I play with every single player on that roster other than Jeremy Grant who will fit in seamlessly in my opinion he'll be getting a healthy Will Barton hopefully a healthy Gary Harris uh, coming in and then on top of that they'll be able to just hit the ground running they just know how how to play with each other so much. And the last thing I wanted to bring up is just... His numbers have been so consistently fantastic, regardless of minutes, roll, or circumstance. It could be Game 7 of the second round of the playoffs. It could be a random game against the Mavericks in December. It doesn't matter. Nikola Jokic is able to be a walking 22-12-8 guy whenever he wants, and he did that last year, despite the fact that he was missing three starters for a month, despite the fact that Jamal Murray was banged up, and despite the fact that he had to carry such a heavy burden with him. So now... What I want to frame this as is what does Nikola Jokic need to do to win MVP next season? So this would be what I look at. He needs to be a top two seed in the Western Conference. Carry the Nuggets to a top two seed. Um, He needs to have a usage percentage over 30. This is not going to be something that actual voters are going to look for. The reason that I have this as a prerequisite is that I think Nikola Jokic needs to take command of the team more, which will lead to his numbers drastically jumping up, in my opinion. So then, if he does have a usage over 30 which is something the reason I picked that number by the way is I've had a lot of conversations with Jonathan Jarks of the Ringer about the way that Dirk Nowitzki kind of finally took control of the Dallas Mavericks. And looking at that 2011 team that beat the Heat, he had like a 33% usage rating that year. And it was the first time that he eclipsed like 27. He was just willing. It was the willingness to take control of that team. And when he did that, he became arguably the most dominant foreign player of all time in the NBA. So... That usage number is just one that I have chosen because of the Dirk comparison in terms of when he took a team over. Obviously, Dirk and Nicola are very different players. Obviously, they're going to be very different players, but I do think that's an interesting part of the conversation because if he is able to do that, it's going to put his numbers up in the stratosphere of like a 24, 12, and 8.5 kind of guy. And if if he's able to shoot near 50% from the field, near 35% from three, and anything above 75% from the free throw line I think that he would be the MVP of the league if he carries a nugget to a top two seed in the west at the same time so in my opinion Nikola Jokic is the best value right now to get an MVP bet in and I think that he has a very good chance of winning it let's finish up these last two questions shall we so the next one that I want to get into is one that I spent Very heavy on Nuggets fans' minds, and that is, will Michael Porter Jr. actually help? Not, will he play? Not, is he their championship hopes? Can he even help the Nuggets if he plays this year? So this is the golden question. If he is a starting caliber small forward by the time that January rolls around and he's gotten into a rhythm, Denver isn't as good of a a position as they have been in in years. They have a real potential to have championship hopes, which they already have without Michael Porter Jr., but having a 6'11 rangy wing to add to that equation, it just puts them into a different tier of teams. Now, the odds of that happening are 10-15% to anecdotally. Not just kind of pulling a number out of you know thin air as to how I feel about it, it's just we have we have no reason to think that he will be able to help this year. That is really where I come into this conversation. Is that sure if he is everything that everyone hopes he can be, of course, the nuggets are going to compete for a title that's fine. they're already going to compete for a title in my opinion without Michael Porter jr but If he is that guy, sure, I will give all the credit in the world to everybody who has stated this already, but still, there is no reason to think that he is going to be that guy for the Denver Nuggets this season. I mean... Everything to do with his upside comes from close practices that everyone talks about because the Nuggets do not allow media to see their practices, high school film from when you was just killing dudes at Hale High School, if I remember correctly, and then some like enigmatic excitement about the idea of Michael Porter Jr. I don't even think people are gauging who Michael Porter Jr. is correctly anymore, so... My thing when it comes to Michael Porter Jr. is that I have zero expectations of him to actually help this Denver Nuggets team next year. Maybe that's unfair to him. Maybe that's just me speaking on my own bias because I just don't see it functioning off the bat, but... There has been a lot of conversations within the Nuggets organization and beyond that there is a real ability for him to take the Nuggets to that next level. So with that being said, I don't believe in it, but others do. So let's just talk about the skills that he that we do know he has that will translate to the NBA immediately. He has a freakishly perfect jump shot. I mean, his offhand may as well be a statue that does not move in any capacity and is just perfectly on the ball to allow that balance. When We talk about his fluid Elise and how high up he gets for his jumper, it just adds the mystique of him as a 6'11 jump shooter. It's where all of the you know, randomness of the Kevin Durant comparisons come through is that he is really able to get his shot anywhere on the court and really cannot get blocked because of where his release point is. He's not Kevin Durant. He's never going to be Kevin Durant. He has like a third of a percent chance of ever being that guy. And the only reason he gets a third of a a a percent is because he is 6'11 with that jump shot. Beyond that, there's not a whole else that translates immediately. Like, he'll be athletically enough to, you know, he'll he'll be athletically gifted enough to make up for some shortcomings, and he is 6'11 with a 7-plus foot wingspan. So, like, those things will translate, but let's talk about the skills that probably won't translate. His handles, which were already kind of loose in high school, despite the fact that he does have multiple different dribble moves he can go to. His handles are gonna get exposed at the NBA level, and from what I have been able to see so far at this point. I don't think he's strong enough yet because he's never really battled with NBA players because guess what He hasn't played a basketball game, an actual basketball game, in two years. His defense was already a disaster before. I do not expect it to suddenly just become useful at the NBA level. And then going off of his strength, his rebounding I don't think will be there either. And then if we really expect him to be consistent, that's a whole other thing. How can you expect someone who hasn't played basketball for two years and has all these injuries that he's going to be constantly thinking about to be a consistent player? I just don't see it. There are so many skills that we have no idea how they're going to translate because we don't even know where they're at right now because we don't know how he has looked as a player because the practices are closed. I've seen him do some three-on-three and four-on-four before playoff games on the road, which he looks still pretty stiff in. Um, But again, you know, maybe he could help. I do not think that Michael Porter Jr. is going to really be able to help the Nuggets next year beyond just providing more depth at the forward position so I'm going to leave that question there and move on to the last question, which I find much more interesting, which is, will Denver make a big trade around the trade deadline? The reason that this trade or that this question is so interesting is because the Nuggets have so many different avenues to be able to create some kind of trade or some kind of you know advantageous situation for them to get more talent on the team. So first of all, they have plenty of tradable contracts with the right amount of money. So first of all, they have two expiring contracts. Paul Millsap, who is on a player option this year that the Nuggets or a team option this year that the Nuggets picked up. So he is making $30 million this year and it expires after this year and he will be an unrestricted free agent. In terms of trading for a star... Thirty million dollars of money that you can send that just disappears off the books for the other team trading them could not be more helpful because that's about what most stars are making. Bradley Beal's at twenty-seven million. Otto Porter's at twenty-seven million. Drew Holiday's at twenty-eight million or whatever it is. So having that thirty million dollar expiring is very helpful to build a trade. Um, additionally, they have Mason Plumlee's fourteen million dollar tradable. Or, um, tr- um, Contract that is also expiring. In my opinion, Mason Plumlee is the most likely player to be traded. The Nuggets are going to be getting Jeremy Grant minutes at small ball five. They're going to be playing him at power forward off the bench and probably with Nikola Jokic. And whenever he's not doing those things, Paul Millsap will be soaking up the other front court minutes. Mason Plumley, as I explained in the last podcast, just pretty much doesn't really have a role right now. He might play 10 to 12 minutes just to soak up some front court minutes that they don't want to give to Millsap as a five. That's about all I see. But a $14 million deal or contract that he has that is expiring next year that is a very very valuable asset to be used on the open market and let's not forget Mason Plumlee was a starter on a playoff team at one point so it's not like he's just a guy at that money he has been just you know a guy in Denver because of his role but he is better than he has been able to show in Denver beyond just expiring the nuggets have other salary matching type deals on their roster will Barton has three more years left at about 41.2 million 12 million in the first year 13 million in the second year and 14 million in the third year not crazy Crazy money in the NBA anymore. That's a very, you know, if Will Barton is the guy he was two years ago, that's an extremely affordable contract and a contract that a team. Could potentially go look at as someone they want to bring in, but beyond Will Barton, the real asset that teams are going to want if the Nuggets go to trade for a star player or a near star player at the, around the trade deadline is going to be Gary Harris. Gary Harris is th- has three years left on his deal with fifty seven and a half million or so of money valued at that. He'll get eighteen million the first year, nineteen the second, and then twenty point five the third and final year of the rest of his contract. The reason that I think Gary Harris is going to be the one that teams want is, first of all, he's better than Will Barton. Second of all, he's not that much more expensive than Will Barton. And third of all, teams will feel like they can work the nuggets over because his value is lower than it has been in years because Gary Harris was hurt so much last year. So teams are going to try and probably get Gary Harris at a less than ideal value for whoever they're sending out. So let's just say, again, let's just randomly throw out Bradley Beal as part of the conversation. It's easy for... for the wizards to be like you know what we want an additional first round pick because we don't know what gary harris is going to give us because of his injury history that is now why gary harris is going to be so sought after is that he is a very very talented young prospect who is on an affordable deal considering what he brings to the table and you can still get more than just him in a deal for another big time player so those are the four contracts that I think are extremely movable for the Nuggets. You obviously have the rest of the guys like Torrey Craig, Jared Vanderbilt, Monte Morris, and guys that they can you know match to get that couple extra million into the trade to be able to facilitate the financial obligations of a trade. So that is still out there. And they have plenty of young talent. I don't know what role Wancho Hernan Gomez is going to fill anymore, but that is a sweet shooting stretch big who could help a lot of teams. Malik Beasley, who the Nuggets do value a lot, could suddenly look to move him as a sweetener in a deal for a guy like bradley beal michael porter jr again like i just got done talking about who the hell knows what michael porter jr is going to be so if the nuggets feel like they can get talent now for him he's an ideal trade sweetener they have Bull Bull, who they just drafted which again he would need to sign his contract need to wait to actually trade him but Bull Bull is a guy that the nuggets sent money and a future draft pick to go get so he is I would be very surprised if he wasn't on the roster. And then again for young talent, Gary Harris can be used as your blue chip recruit. I'm sure people are confused as to why I am not brought up Jamal Murray yet in terms of this conversation. And the real reason why is because there is what is called a poison pill provision on his deal. When a team extends a player... They are not allowed to to trade that player for what is essentially just the $4.4 million rookie deal that he is on now, considering that he'll be getting paid like $29 million next year. So effectively, what needs to happen for the Nuggets to trade Jamal Murray is, well, first of all, it's almost not going to happen, but the idea is that... Jamal Murray's six-year average, that includes the rest of his rookie deal and his five-year maximum extension, means that it's about $28.3 million he makes per year. So the Nuggets are technically only sending out $4.4 million, but they would then need to take back $28.3 million because that is what the poison pill provision means. You have to at least take back the amount of money that you're sending out despite the fact that the money is not being paid this year. I know that's very difficult to translate in a vocal setting like this. So, what all I'll say is that it is unbelievably unlikely that the Nuggets trade Jamal Murray, not because of how much they value him, which is it makes him pretty much untouchable for how much they value Jamal Murray, but because the contract situation is nearly impossible to trade. Um, It just isn't going to happen. The Nuggets would need to cut like $21 million in extra roster spots just to be able to trade Jamal Murray. So it's not happening. Jamal Murray, I did not put in here because of that. That poison pill provision just makes it nearly impossible to trade him. And in addition to that, the Nuggets look at him as the future point guard of this Denver Nuggets team. So that's why I didn't include him in this conversation. So while we're still on this topic, let's continue on with this trade kind of idea. Because there are four names that I have picked that I think the Nuggets could go after at, the, or, you know, near the trade deadline or approaching the trade deadline that would make them better immediately. Obviously, the first name on here is Bradley Beal. That's why I used it as an example earlier. Um, everybody and their friends are all desperately trying to talk about Jamal Murray coming, to, or I'm sorry, talking about Bradley Beal coming to Denver. You have Tim Connelly's connection to the D- to the D.C. area. Bradley Beal has locked up for a few more years, two more years, if I remember correctly. And in addition to that, the Nuggets have the players, the young picks, and all those things to be able to make a deal work. So, just to play along with all of the chaos, I built a trade in which the Nuggets could get Bradley Beal. So if it was me, I would send out Gary Harris, Mason Plumlee's expiring contract, a 2021 top five protected pick, a 2023 top five protected pick, and a pick swap in 2022. So effectively, you're giving the you're giving the Wizards two first-round picks. You're going to give them the option to have an additional third one if they want to swap and take that pick swap. And then the Nuggets get Bradley Beal, and the money works out evenly. And what you would do is start Jamal Murray, Bradley Beal, whatever small forward you're starting, whether it's Will Barton, whether it's Michael Porter Jr., whether it's somehow Jeremy Grant, which I do not see happening. And you keep it moving. You still have Paul Millsap. You still have Jeremy Grant. You still have Nikola Jokic. You still have Malik Beasley. Plenty of young talent around the team. And you can get going with Bradley Beal, who is a legitimate upgrade over really either of the guards on the Nuggets team right now. Bradley Beal is a 25-5-5 guy who played 82 games last year and scored above average efficiency. He is the perfect guy for the Nuggets to bring in. But there are still other names out there. So let's talk about Otto Porter Jr. The reason that I picked Otto Porter Jr. besides just the very obvious fit that he would have in Denver is that first of all, the Bulls aren't going to be good next year and he will be a free agent after next year. So why wouldn't the Nuggets try and trade for what they could call a rental when it would be a big time upgrade for the Nuggets? So what my idea is, is trade Will Barton Mason Plumlee's um, expiring deal and a top 10 uh, protected first round pick for Otto Porter because at that point they don't lose Otto Porter for nothing. They have Will Bart who can go get buckets and make him fun because we all know Gar Pax wants to make money. Mason Plumlee's an expiring so they can still have extra financial or uh, future financial flexibility and they get a pick that's top 10 protected. So in my opinion, that would be a very good deal for Denver because you, if you can add a long strong defensive minded wing player who is versatile and can defend on the perimeter or down low to this team that's already becoming so versatile and so much more defensively competent, Otto Porter is just perfect in that sense. Um, The next guy in the same vein as Bradley Beal but not quite as talented is Drew Holiday. Um, This would have to be one of those scenarios in which the Pelicans just aren't doing very well despite the fact that they had just a ridiculously great offseason and they feel like why not go try and recoup some value for a guy like Drew Holiday to continue to add to the rebuild that David Griffin is. Is obviously heading up. So for Drew Holiday, in my opinion, you would send Gary Harris, Mason Plumley. If you can't tell, Mason Plumley is going to be in basically every single trade possible because of the amount of money for his deal and that he's expiring. So Gary Harris, Mason Plumley and then a top 5 protected pick in 2021 and a top 5 protected pick in 2023. No pick swap for Drew. I do think Drew is is worse than Bradley Beal, which is why the pick swap is included in, Be- in Beal's deal and not Drew's. Again, these are just my random let's just throw darts at a board ideas for a trade package. So, um the Nuggets would send Gary Harris, Mason Plumley, the 2021 top 5 protected first round pick and then a 2023 top 5 protected first round pick as well. Then the Nuggets would get back Drew Holiday and the guy that I love and Adam Mates loves more than anybody, Kenrich Williams. The Nuggets had a... They, they wanted Kenrich in Denver. And if it wasn't for the fact that he bet on himself and turned down two-way contracts, he probably would have been in Denver right now. But the Nuggets can go back, get a guy like Kenrich Williams who can play the three for them, get a guy like Drew, have that defensive versatility, have a guy who can play with Jamal Murray on or off ball, and get it going because, again, you're adding that high-level talent that puts them near the top of the Western Conference. Last one. Robert Covington so in my opinion it would take Mason Plumlee Wancho and then a top five protected first round pick for Robert Covington and Shabazz Napier this deal makes sense to me because you just start Robert Covington at the three you don't need Mason Plumlee to fit there anymore Wancho Hernan Gomez does not have a role in Denver but could be a good flyer guy for the Wolves to take a to, uh, to look at if you if it took Michael Porter Jr. and the Nuggets have not seen anything from him. I would not be opposed to including Michael Porter Jr. in that deal, but you also get Shabazz Napier. So you have your backup point or your third point guard on the team. And that deal just makes a lot of sense to me. So, that's it that's my long-winded here's the five questions that I think are important for the Nuggets will the Nuggets finally be healthy will Denver finally shoot at the level they are capable of can Jokic really win MVP what will actually Michael Porter Jr. bring to the table and will Denver make a big trade around the trade deadline so that's that's where I'm at I think they I think if the Nuggets are going to make a deal you talk about Bradley Beal Otto Porter Drew Holiday, or Robert Covington I do think that uh, Nikola Jokic has a real chance to win MVP I do not think that Michael Porter Jr. is really going to add anything this year and until i see him actually play i will not believe it uh will denver finally shoot the level they're capable at i think we'll see an improvement and i hope that denver can just be league average health wise if all of those questions get answered positively the nuggets are competing for a title full stop they will be right there in the midst of real contention but That's all I got for right now. Um, Next, I want to get into some questions that came in from listeners of the show to kind of just round out what is just answering a ton of questions type podcast. So, give me one more second, take a quick break, and I will come back to talk about the questions that came in from fans, no longer my own questions. gone too long on this podcast once again as i tend to always do so let's just get into the three questions that i picked for the rest of this podcast um the first one is does it actually i want to combine these two together uh john and then jacob reguero both friends of the show they asked interesting questions how they actually relate together by accident so john's question was does a non-western conference finals year mean that Denver is on track still or does that mean it or does it create angst and potential upheaval And then Jacob Ruggiero asked, what are realistic expectations? So let's just set what I, in my opinion, the expectations are, because they're going to be higher this year. Last year, it was just get better, as they've been saying for years now, is just get better. That's gone now, in my opinion. They are better. It's time to get great. And the only way to get great is to have real expectations on this team. So in my opinion, there are only two expectations that I really have for this Nuggets team, and it's to win 50 plus games, or actually, let's call it three, 50 plus wins top four seed in the West, and they got to win a playoff series again. You can't be the Utah team that basically is, looks great, Gordon Hayward's there, you make the playoffs, you're the young, scrappy team that's coming from nowhere, and then you just fall flat the next year. They have to avoid that. So, 50-plus wins, top four seed, win a playoff series. That's really all I'm looking for. Uh, beyond that, though, if those things don't get hit, I do not believe there will be a ton of potential upheaval or angst. What I would say is that there's already upheaval coming. Malik Beasley won Wancher Hernan Gomez, Tory Craig, Mason Plumley, Paul Millsap, um, they're all going to be uh, free agents. I mean, did I say someone extra? It's Mason Plumley, Malik Beasley, Wancher Hernan Gomez, and Paul Millsap and Tory Craig. They're all going to be free agents next year. So there could be a lot of people as it is, but in terms of angst, as long as they hit those numbers, they will be. There will be no angst, even if they don't. I still don't think there will be a lot of um, panic from the Nuggets by any sense. Now for my favorite question. This question is phenomenal from Colby. In this new league of star player tandems, how would you rank the duos in the West and where does Jokic and Murray rank above them or among them? So I picked seven tandems. I just counted. Let me just go backwards from, from we'll start at seven and we'll work to number one. So seventh in terms of Western conference tandems, I have Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Between the two of them, there's not a top 20 player. That's really the only reason that they're so low that tandem together is right there in terms of two of the best fitting tandems in the league. So the only reason is because I don't think either of them have a top 20 player. Um, so then what I have sixth is Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. Damian Lillard is a top 10 player, if not a top 15 player at worst, and C.J. McCollum was lethal last year. I mean, everyone remembers how he killed the Nuggets in the playoffs. so let's be very, very obvious about how good C.J. McCollum is. So going beyond Dame and C.J., I have Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray after them at five. Uh, Jamal Murray needs to show him to be higher. That's really all this comes down to. To me, Nikola Jokic is better than both Damian and C.J. and Donovan Mitchell and Gobert. That's why I have them there. This is where it gets a little bit more prickly. Uh, Fourth, I have James Harden and Russell Westbrook, only for pure talent reasons. James Harden's a top five player in the league, and Russell Westbrook and him know how to play together, and Russ has averaged a triple-double for like four straight years. The talent is just so extreme, and the familiarity between the two of them is that I'm putting them ahead of Nicole Jokic and Jamal Murray for right now. Then I have Stephen Curry and Draymond Green for the same reason. Just so much more talent. They know each other very well. Steph's the greatest shooter of all time, and Draymond Green is a real argument that he is a top three defender ever. Um, So number two, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and then number three, Paul George and Kawhi. I value length and perimeter containment and versatility over just pure I-can-kill-you one-on-one. So for me, Paul George and Kawhi is just better than LeBron James and Anthony Davis. But with that being said... If you ask 10 people, I'm sure you would get 5 for Paul George and Kawhi and 5 for Anthony Davis and LeBron James. So take your pick. But I have Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray 5th amongst those tandems. Only amongst those tandems. What I would say is that I have Nuggets probably 2nd in the West. Maybe 3rd right now. If I was to power rank the Western Conference. Um, It's Clippers and then it's either Lakers uh, Lakers or Nuggets. And then I have Utah right below Denver. So despite the fact that the duos fifth and seventh are lower i actually have them higher in the power rankings because of how they fit but that's it this has been a long podcast i am stopping now thank you so much for listening there'll be another podcast coming up shortly but until then have a great rest of your day